what in the world is going on? Somebody clearly went off the road and their car turned over and they're, it's on its side. We're the first ones to get there. There's nobody else around. And we start looking into the window. And I remember when I approached the car, the first thing that came to my mind was, my God, I hope I don't see a dead body. Welcome back to Drive With Us, a podcast where we bring on a new guest every episode to talk about the crazy things they experience on the road, who they are as drivers, and how they became the driver they are today. I'm Bhavneet. And I'm Taranjeet. And before we get started, we wanted to just remind everyone that the Family Friendly Podcast Awards is open for nominations. Woo! That's your cue to woo. Oh, woo! (laughs) (laughs) And nominations are ongoing right now for the month of November. So you can go to podacongo.com slash awards and nominate us for the society and culture category or nominate any other family-friendly podcasts. So help support the family-friendly content and go make your nominations now. Okay, there's my PSA, not PSA. Is, is that that's not PSA? It's my public service announcement. Go support family friendly content. Okay. Yes. Woo. <laughs> well, I sound like you're ordering them. But <laughs> now into today's episode. Today's driver is Elijah Hall, a father, business owner, divergent lover of life, studier of human behavior, and a philanthropist. Well, I said that we are philanthropist. Philanthropist. <laughs> His purpose is to liberate people from mental, financial, social, and societal bonds, all through teaching people to love each other elevate their habits, and how to obtain their passions. And today, he shared with us how driving can help do that, one, but also his crazy driving stories of racing on chariots in San Diego and losing his phone on the freeway. Welcome, Elisha, to Drive With Us. We're so excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. So we love starting off with this question because it's a great way to get into the show. What would you say is one of the craziest things you have experienced while on the road? You know, that's an interesting question because there's been so many. I remember, oh, okay, so it's, it's funny that this one just popped in my mind and I didn't even tell you about this one before. But uh, my family and I, my, my dad was in the Marines growing up. So we, we used to travel around the United States all the time. And several times we drove cross country. And I remember one time we were driving from the East Coast to the West Coast, it was winter time. And we we're all in the minivan. Something happened where we hit some black ice on the road. It was nighttime. And our car skid across the lane and did like a circle spin in the road and then hit an embankment out on the side. And I remember thinking, you know, for me, I, I'm an adrenaline junkie. So I, it was fine with me. It just was what it was and nobody was hurt. So that was good. My brother slept through the whole thing. <laughs> and we, it was interesting how we had, there's so many nice drivers that drove by. I'm like, oh, are you okay? We're, we'll call a tow truck for you. Oh, are you okay? We'll, drive, we'll call a tow truck. And then finally some guy came by that actually had a winch on his truck and pulled us out. And it just, it's, it's situations like that that shows, you know, the awesomeness of humanity. But then it also shows <laughs> you got to be on your P's and Q's you're driving in the middle of the night uh, in the snow. But it was that was one of the craziest, but it was definitely uh, an interesting experience. Yeah, having one driving at night in the snow is a thing of itself. And then hitting black ice in the dark, I feel like that's more scarier. And you don't know what you're in less control, I feel like, because you can't see where you're going. Exactly. And then you just the good thing, the the snow is soft, but (laughs) so it didn't damage the car or anything. But it was it was really interesting. I had another situation where I was driving where it was me driving. And we were driving down the 110 freeway out here in Los Angeles, and it was raining. And I'm just driving this like 50 miles an hour, not the speed limit, which is 65, 70. And our car just starts to spin, like literally out of nowhere. So I'm driving straight. There's rain. It's daytime. And then the car slowly, like slow motion, starts to spin. I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> What's happening Wait, right what? now? <laughs> yeah, it literally just just starts to do a circle in the middle. I'm... I'm in slow motion spinning around all the other cars. I can see the driver staring like what is about to happen right now. And then when we finally get all the way around to the 360 where we're facing forward again, it just starts going straight. Oh, okay. I was like, this is the weirdest thing. And I, I literally had to pull off the freeway just to get my mind straight as to what just happened. That, that is so weird. Your car just like, all right, 
time to have some fun. And it's like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just one slow spin and then, yep, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. So I told you, I got, a, I got a ton of stories. I got a ton. I've never heard that happen before where your car just like, all right, time to spin. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I didn't turn the wheel, anything. Just driving straight down the freeway with my hands on the steering wheel. It was crazy, man. What would you say is your least favorite weather to drive in? Uh, least favorite to drive in. I, it, it would have to be, it would have to be the first rain, right? So I, I've driven in snow, uh, driving up to the mountains with snow chains, the four by four. Um, I've driven in rain. Uh, I've driven my motorcycle in rain. I think the, the scariest is when it first rains because that's when it's like the new rain mixes with the oils on the, on the freeway and the street, and it makes things more slippery than normal. So I'd say that would have to be it. That's the scariest. Yeah, I would agree that. And I feel like I, I think you said you've been to Maryland before. So here, a lot of people, as soon as it just starts sprinkling, just can't drive and they just slow down so much. Yeah. That you're like, okay, come on. It's just a couple of drops. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, you, and, and that's the funny thing. It happens everywhere. But they say that out here. They're like, oh, Californians don't know how to drive in the rain, right? Where they drive super fast and we drive super slow. But, but that thing, that happens everywhere, right? Like you just said, in Maryland, it's like, we don't know what to do, so we're going to drive super slow. It's, it's crazy. Speaking of your motorcycle, I know you mentioned earlier an interesting experience you had when you're riding it. Let's see. I've had a few. I don't even remember which one we talked about before that I sent to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So there's this, um, like, if you know anything about riding motorcycles, my, my people that are listening that ride motorcycles, they, they'll know what I'm talking about but you can control the, the front and the rear brake, right? Separately. And I remember I'm driving down the freeway and this car, like it, it's, it's kind of rush hour, so I'm not going too fast, but I'm able to go in between the lanes, no problem. And this car changes lanes in front of me. The thing about when you hit your brakes is if you hit the, just the rear brake, then like think about a bicycle, it'll lock up and your bicycle will skid, right? But the thing on a motorcycle, it's like 800 pounds. So it's going to skid, but it's going to keep going, right? The thing about if you hit the front brakes, then the force of just the front brakes locking up will actually cause the, the entire motorcycle to flip forward, at, like up onto the front wheels, or the, the motorcyclists themselves will, will flip over the, the, the handlebars. So I, I try to hit both brakes, but I end up hitting more of the front brakes than the rear. And so I go up on just my front tire, and I'm just kind of up there. A little bit getting forward i didn't hit it hard enough to lock it and fly forward but i hit it enough that my motorcycle is now up standing on one wheel and then i'm able to it just you know i'm, I'm releasing the brake a little bit and then it comes back down on, on the back wheel and i didn't hit the car and that was probably one of the scariest because it's on the freeway and there's so many cars around but yeah it's <laughs> you have to be a very offensive driver when you're riding a motorcycle well at least you didn't spin out like in your car <laughs> Right. Yeah, that would have been all bad. <laughs> Do you prefer driving your motorcycle over to your car or the other way around? So I 1000% prefer driving the motorcycle when I have to be somewhere. But obviously, it's one of those things that I got to take the car if I need to put anything in the trunk. If I need to carry anything with me that I can't fit in a backpack, I, I have to take a car. But I would 1000% rather ride the motorcycle everywhere like whether i'm going to downtown los angeles if i'm going to the beach if i'm going to you know like palace verdes or meeting someone at a really nice restaurant or a really nice uh, resort i can get there so much faster on a motorcycle and traffic is not an issue but you know you can only carry so much so it's the limitation that that decides what i end up driving do you feel safe when you're riding the motorcycle like when other cars are around because i know like there's a lot of motorcycle and car accidents because half the time cars don't see them so I wouldn't say I feel safe. I would say I'm, I feel confident in my own abilities, but I, I wouldn't say I feel safe. And here, here's the right. So I was in another situation where I was actually in an accident in my motorcycle where I'm just driving down the street. I'm just driving straight down the street and I'm probably going maybe 35, 40 miles an hour, maybe, maybe even 30 miles an hour. It wasn't that fast. And as I'm driving straight, this car coming in the opposite direction just literally makes a left turn into me. <laughs> like they turned their car into my motorcycle, right? And I was thinking, well, 
what happened was when they turned into me, I ended up basically flipping over their car. So now I'm laying on the street. My motorcycle does a bunch of flips and it's over on the sidewalk. And, uh, you know, a bunch of people rushed over to help. I wasn't injured or anything. They called the paramedics just to make sure but I was all good. And then the, the, the driver left, right? They just, they, they, they left and nobody knew where they were. And the, the crazy part is my, my uh, dad and some family members came uh, while the ambulance was there. And somebody from my family was like, hey, um, this car, like a block down has damage on their front. Was that the car that hit you? And I was thinking, like, I have no idea. So, you know, we ended up going over there and come to find out it was the car. They ended, they ended up turning into a business and kind of hiding out in the business. They wanted to make sure I was okay, but they didn't want to get involved with the police because their insurance was crazy or something. Yeah, that was a weird experience. But people just don't see motorcyclists, I guess, because they're smaller. So I wouldn't say I feel safe, but I, I definitely am comfortable enough riding it without any issue. I would never be the kind of person that falls off the horse and doesn't get back on. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. But that's so much worse that the person drove not even that far away and then just hid. Right, right. <laughs> what was going through their mind? No idea. Well, they did at least wait and check on you, right? Before they just ran away. They didn't just like drive off. Uh, no, nah, they never got out of the car to come check on me. It was a bunch of other people that were around that saw it. It was a busy street with foot traffic and things. There wasn't a ton of cars in the street, but it was just the, um, uh, yeah, the people around walking down the street came over. Like, oh, are you okay? Let me, let me pray for you. Is, is everything okay? Yeah. So I got a lot of that. And they called the police. I even had an ambulance chaser. <laughs> just like, <laughs> he, he had my back. Like, he was just there for me. He had my back. He called his, my parents and all these different things. And you need anything? And then it wasn't until I wasn't interested in suing anybody that he was, he just like disappeared. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that you were okay after that. <laughs> yeah. The ambulance people cut up one of my nice shirts, you know, they had to do all that stuff, but <laughs> it worked out. Yeah. I was, I was sad that the, the cop, there was a police officer that came too to take a police report. And uh, when she was there and I was sitting with the ambulance, the paramedics people, and she was there and I was like, hey, can I take a selfie with you? My shirt's all cut up and I got, you know, bruises and scrapes and stuff. I'm like, hey, let me take a selfie. And the cop was like, no, I'm okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> it's supposed to feel bad for me. They're probably like, what is wrong with this person? <laughs> Do you have a concussion? <laughs> I'm like, come on, this is going to be great for uh, police and humanitarian relations, right? It's, it's just, yeah, just why not? I'm not asking you to play basketball with me. We're not going to end up on Instagram or, or TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> so you, the story that you mentioned previously kind of made me laugh, but I don't know if you thought it was funny at the time, but it was you driving your motorcycle and while you were listening to music on your phone? Oh, that one. Yes. Well, I thought it was hilarious until, because this is actually a situation where I was going downtown, going to downtown Los Angeles to a meeting. And I was, so I'm riding my motorcycle and I'm just, I'm flying down the freeway and I'm just having a great time. So I'm, I'm playing music and my headphones and my phone, my headphones are connected to my phone. It's in my jacket pocket. Now I'm wearing a full suit. Right. So I'm wearing a full black suit with a white dress shirt and a, and a, you know, a white skinny tie. And I feel like I'm like Neo from the Matrix, just flying down the freeway with this music playing. Like if you ever, you know how there's this dramatic music that plays in action movies? Yeah. And so I felt like that. Right. Like I'm in an action movie right now and I'm just having a great time. And then all of a sudden the music just stops playing. And I don't know why. My, my jacket is flapping in the wind behind me. And I don't know why, but my music just stops playing. And so I'm just like, oh, okay. And so once I finally get to the hotel I'm going to downtown, I'm, I'm checking my pockets. I'm looking for my phone. And I'm like, Where? my phone is gone. And I couldn't find my phone. The, the cords to my headphones are still in my ears, but the, you know, it's the cords not connected to my phone. I was like, oh man, my, I, my, my cell phone must have just flew out of my pocket and it's laying on the side of the freeway somewhere. I, I thought that that was, um, I thought it was hilarious, but, you know, I don't think spending the money that I got to spend now on a new phone is hilarious, but <laughs> it was, it was, it was definitely a lesson to learn, but it was fun. I had a great time. So I'm guessing you didn't find that phone. You just had to buy a replacement. Right. Yeah. did definitely didn't find it. Yeah. I think I rode that down there one time just to see, but I was like, even if I find it, it's going to be so smashed up, you know, it's like, eh, 
So it didn't work out. I ended up having to get a new phone. I wonder how many people that ride motorcycles lose stuff and what kind of, like, how much stuff they tend to lose. Or is this, like, the first time you ever lost something while riding the motorcycle? Uh, that's the first time. I think I've only lost things twice. Like, one time, because the way the motorcycles work is you can lock with a key, you can lock in a rear seat. Sometimes I don't have the rear seat on. I just have, like, an aerodynamic cover on it. But you can lock in the actual rear seat itself to put that on there so you can have a passenger. And I remember one time, I guess I didn't lock it correctly. and Somehow it flew off in, in the wind. So I did lose that one time. But those are the only two things I've ever lost, right? I, I saw a YouTube video where this lady lost her phone. Actually, no, it was her GoPro camera and she was recording. So you actually see the camera fly off and then they end up going back and they found it. So that's how they're able to upload the footage. But it does happen. It definitely does happen. It seems like your life is already an action movie with all the car spins and like all that you've been through already. <laughs> oh, I, no doubt. No doubt. So, I mean, I have this thing that I established probably about, I want to say six years ago, where I, I, my goal is to create memorable moments. And so whether I'm, it doesn't matter what's going on in my life, I want to, I want to interact with things intentionally, live an intentional life where I create happiness, right? I manifest my own happiness and fulfillment. Right? I don't like the idea of pursuing happiness because we all know how to be there because we've all been there at some point in our life. Now it's just how do we recreate it in the same situation and in other situations. Just like I could ride down the freeway normally in a car or on my motorcycle, but if I have this dramatic music playing and I have a, a suit on, who, you don't ever see anyone in a dress suit on a motorcycle, right? And if I do that, then it's like it creates something different in me that makes me feel amazing. And so even when I work with my clients, doing a lot of coaching and stuff for businesses and that sort of thing, I'm, I'm just telling them, this, there's ways that you, for yourself and for your employees, you can create these memorable moments within your business, within your companies, within your life that just take things to a whole nother level. So I guess in that sense, my life would be a movie. That's a really great way to think of it, even like whether it's driving or in your life, just to like make those memorable moments. I never really thought of it that way. Yes, 1000%. I think I, I learned how much I love going fast and creating those moments. And I didn't recognize it at the time because I was in high school. But for my high school field trip, uh, actually, I was, act I was out on the East Coast at that time. So I'm in Los Angeles now, but I was out near the Boston area. And we ended up going to, what was it? We ended up going whitewater rafting for my senior trip. And it was so much fun. I had so much fun. And it was a camping trip, bicycling trip, and we went whitewater rafting. And the adrenaline that goes with that, going through the rapids and, you know, how you have to maneuver your body, all these different things. It was just a beautiful experience. Now that I look back on it, it's moments like that, that I had a lot of joy, fulfillment. I was happy. And my goal is to recreate those things, not just for myself, but also with other people, because I can do it for myself. I can do it with myself. I can also create these amazing situations that involve other people, because that tends to make the best impact when, there's a, when it's a shared experience. Since you like adrenaline so much, I feel like this is probably what contributed to this next story that you've mentioned of paying someone to race in chariots. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. And that was, again, a shared experience, you know, a bunch of us there creating a memorable moment. And it was, um, so we were down in San Diego, uh, myself and a bunch of people for this company I used to work for. And at one point we went our own way and it was probably, I want to say six of us. And so what we did was we went ahead and uh, we saw these guys that, uh, like, you know, San Diego had the gas lamp district and it's kind of like the downtown area where all the restaurants and clubs and things like that are. And they have these guys that, that are on these, these bicycles pedaling and it's got the uh, seats in the back with that's covered seating for two. And so uh, I don't know what they're called. I call them chariots or bicycle chariots. And so we, we actually grabbed like three of these guys because we had six people. We were like, we need two weeks. We need to get somewhere. So we grabbed three of them. And we, you know, again, we could have just said, hey, we need to go to this location. But instead of doing that, because that's boring, that's normal, right? Who wants to be normal? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so, so we said, okay, all right, guys. So we're going to make this interesting. We want you guys to write from where we are now. We want to go around this. Like there's a big fountain. We want to go around that. We like put plotted the course and we want to go over here and we want to end at the spot we want to go to. Right. And whoever wins, we're going to give you 200 bucks. At first they were thinking about it, but they were like, you know what? I got it. I got it. 
uh, you know, their little little competitive stuff there. I, I could take you because they all know each other, right? And so we get in. There's two people in each one, and we're and these guys are working, man. They are just pedaling so hard. They are sweating like drenched sweat, and they're riding and riding. They're cutting each other off, and we're we're just kind of like hanging on. You know, it didn't get to the point of anybody tipping over because we were just having a great time. And then uh, I don't remember who won, but I just remember we just had a great time getting there. It was just the experience. And then once it was over, we ended up giving the guy the one like uh, 200 bucks. And the other guys, I think we gave him like 75 bucks or 100 bucks just for being great sports. And that is a moment that myself and everybody there continues to talk about this to this day. And that was like, that was like seven, eight years ago. And it's something I will always remember. And I just love being able to create moments like that because it, it just will never go away. It's literally in like chiseled into my brain. The fact that they were so willing to participate in this. And I can only imagine what people who were driving by or passing by thought was going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You're right. You're right. But, and the funny thing is, if they had not wanted to do it or if maybe one or two had not wanted to do it, we would just found somebody else. Right. We're like, okay, you clearly don't want, you don't want the money bad enough or you just think you're going to lose. So we just need to find somebody else. Right. That's one thing we don't do, or I actually don't do is I'm not a fan of giving up, especially on the first or second try. If I want to create a moment, it's going to happen. (laughs) Well, it's good that you're persevering. You have to. I mean, you have like, you have to, you have to uh, like, you have to work hard or, or I should say persevere for your happiness. For those things that you want to create that are going to be amazing, whether it's, see, and here's the, here's the thing that I've learned about life. There are so many people that will work, they'll plan it out. They'll work really hard. They'll, they'll do strategy sessions and all these things to make their business grow or to do an online course or to like this podcast, like all the stuff that you had me con- in the way that you had me connect with you guys for the podcast. It was so organized and planned out. It was beautiful, but we rarely go to that same extreme for things like these memorable moments. We rarely go to that same extreme for I'm in this relationship and it's rocky right now. How do I make it work? And if we do that, it it would be so much more amazing because the intentional way that we can move through those situations is the exact same intentional way that we can move through business that we want to create a monetary result. That's so well said. And I, yeah, I agree. I don't think many people think about it that way. It's all about the business or the money, exactly, like growing that and uh, personally growing. Exactly. Very well said. So you did mention that you have been on both the East and West Coast. So our next question, I would really interested to hear your opinion. So since you've been on both sides, you've experienced drivers on both sides, and they're probably very different. So are there any stereotypes of drivers that you've noticed in the different areas that you've been, whether it's like Boston or L.A. differences? Oh, that's tough. Because even here in LA, LA is, well, Boston is too, but LA is such a melting pot where you have different demographics, different groups in different cities, you know, whether you have Asian Americans in one area, you might have African Americans in another area, you might have more Caucasian in one area. And even within those, you can have different types of drivers. Like you go to Palos Verdes, right by the beach, very expensive area, one of the most expensive areas in, in the country. And most of your people there are older drivers. And so, and then out in Boston, most people don't have cars. It's a public transportation thing. So it's really hard to see how they drive because everybody's driving, you know, two miles an hour. (laughs) (laughs) So, but then when you get in the outskirts, like Worcester, Auburn, you know, some of those other smaller cities outside, you can really see. And um, I don't know. I find that drivers out there are, so drivers out here drive, I've seen drive faster. Drivers that, because we have more space, right? There's more distance. And the freeways are mostly straight. Drivers out there can be more reckless. Like I remember the first time I ever did donuts in a friend's car. Well, they did the donut in their car, and it was out there, right? They, it was just in some mud and just hit the gas as hard as possible and turn the wheel. And I remember I used to see a lot of drivers out on the East Coast that when the when the, when you're at a stoplight and you want to turn left, as soon as the stop as soon as the light changes. They, 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 they go in front of the other traffic that's coming the opposite way. They just, they just go, right? I've seen that happen so many times out of the East Coast. I rarely ever see it out here on the West Coast. That's really surprising. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I can't really characterize it as one being better than the other. 
I remember one time I was driving with, a, uh, I was, it was me, my friend and, and their mom. And we were riding, it was the middle of the night and we're coming from my friend's house and we were, we're, we're just, it, it was snow on the ground, right? So we're driving and all of a sudden we see these lights. We see these lights coming through the trees. And it's one of these things where there's the road, there's an embankment, and then there's like a bunch, almost like forest, but there's a bunch of trees to the right side. And we see these lights coming through the trees. So we drive up a little bit further and there's a car laying on its side with the lights just, just like beaming through the trees. And we're like, what in the world is going on? Somebody clearly, you know, went off the road and their car turned over and they're on, it's on its side. We're the first ones to get there. There's nobody else around. There's some houses off to the left and we see somebody start to come out of their house. But we just, we instinctively, we just run over to the car and we start looking into the window. And I remember when I approached the car, the first thing that came to my mind was, my God, I hope I don't see a dead body. I mean, that was literally the first thing that came out of my mind. And so uh, we were looking through the windows. I think I climbed on top of the car to look through the, one of the passenger windows and there was nobody in the car. <laughs> it was completely empty. And we were just like, wow, this is crazy. And so we called the police to think the fire department ended up coming. I thought the car was stolen. The person was drunk, but there was nobody there. It, it, was, a, it was weird. It was very weird. So either they got scared and were like, oh, I got to get out, or they got drove off the road and were like, oh, no, and then ran. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have no idea to this day. We're just like, that was just a crazy experience. I remember my heart was pounding so hard when I was about to look in that window. But yeah, that was a, that was a really interesting one. Well, hopefully whoever the driver was is okay and didn't get injured. Yes, definitely. Hopefully. Hopefully they're good. So now that we've heard a lot of your crazy driving stories and experiences, let's dive into the type of driver you are. If you're given the option, would you choose to be the driver or the passenger? That's a good one. So if I'm given the option, so I don't like road trips. I don't like long road trips. So I would rather be the passenger. But... I've also been in the car with people that I can't stand their driving. Like, have you ever been in the car where you're in the passenger seat and someone's driving and it's like they get too close to the parked cars on the right side. So you actually lift your legs, like cringe, like, oh my God. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, people, I can't stand driving with people like that. So if I know that that's that kind of person, I'm like, I'm driving, like, I, I'll just do it. And I've made many eight hour, six hour drives up north or Grand Canyon, different places. I don't want to do it, but I will do it because I know how I drive. I know I might drive faster sometimes, but I know I'm a safe, very safe driver. Yeah, it really just depends on who I'm going with, but I, I would absolutely prefer to be chauffeured. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's where we differ. I totally enjoy driving. I will drive all the time. And I have been, like you said, in a car with someone, and this was in Baltimore City. And they were like weaving in and out of traffic. And I'm just like, we're going to die. We're going to die. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was in the passenger seat. And I was literally like pushing the fake brake. And I was just like, stop the car. Right. Yeah. In that situation, you almost want to be like, let me sit in the back. So I don't have to see all the craziness that's happening. <laughs> yeah. And the funny thing is, I was going to sit in the back. But then he was like, no, no, sit in the front. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too much. Too much. So you did mention that you think that you're a very safe driver, even if you drive fast sometimes. Would you say that your family and friends would describe your driving in the same way? 1000%. Absolutely. I, I remember, so in my family, right, we've got myself. So it's really interesting, right? Because my parents adopted five kids after raising myself, my brother, and my sister. So my, my parents have humongous hearts. They adopted five kids. They've done foster care for like 20 different kids over the years. My aunt also adopted, or my aunt and my uncle, they also adopted five kids. My, my sister's going through the foster care process right now of adopting kids. So it's like, we're, we're always, and I have this thing about being able to get out of our abundance. And I, I do this when I speak at young groups where I tell them, like, I think we all have, because we're all good people. And as a good person, you almost have an obligation to be successful to an extent financially. Because as a good person, one of the things you're going to do is you're going to give back. You're going to help other people. You're going to pay it forward. And so I bring that up because over the years, you, we've been teaching some of the younger ones to drive. So as they're learning, you see who's going to pay attention more, who's just kind of doing their own thing, doesn't really care. They just want, you know, control. And it's really interesting teaching them how to drive versus, you know, when you're learning yourself. 
And it just makes it, it, my mom said the other day, it was like just an appreciation for, you know, when I'm able to drive her around, like she, she, she won't drive with, with other people, like some other people, my, whether it's my grandmother, whether it's even my, my brother or certain people, she's like, nah, I'm going to drive. But with me, she's like, I, I taught you how to drive and you're a great driver. So <laughs> I, I, I can trust that. So yeah, it's a, we have a great time talking about it. She's like you. She actually really likes to drive. But because she drives so much, she likes to be chauffeured. And when she is, she wants me to do it. <laughs> when you're around, she's like, okay, I got a good driver right here. Exactly. Exactly. I always drive when she's in the car. Well, that's a big compliment to your driving skills. <laughs> I do my best. So have you ever been in a situation where you had to honk at someone or would you consider yourself a honker? So I, I will definitely use the horn because it's, it's there to use. <laughs> it's, that's like saying, oh, the emergency brake is only something used in an emergency. It's like, if I'm parked on a hill, I just, I want to use the emergency brake. You know, it's not an emergency. So it's the same thing with the horn. Now I won't lay on the horn. I'm not going to, you know, I think that's messed up, but it's also, so here's the thing, right? I like to use the horn for a specific purpose. I'm going to, I'm a tutor, right? I'll just do it like a or a Cause I want, if, if something's happening and someone is getting into my lane or they're doing something that is, even if they're about to get into action with someone else, I want to do a quick toot to let people know, hey, pay attention, something's about to happen. And there's no other function in the car that can do that. So I, I know people that don't honk. And I'm just like, okay, great. But that's more about you than it is about other people. Like I have a pastor friend that he will sit at a light if a car in front of him isn't moving and he won't honk. And they could be on their phone. They could be just not paying attention. He just won't honk. He'll just sit there. I'm like, okay, that's cool and all. But it's like, I'll just do a little courtesy, meet me or something, right? Like, okay, I get it. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not going to lay on the horn and like, you know, roll down a window and curse them out or flip them the bird. I'm not going to do any of that. Like that's over the top. But I definitely will let people know that uh, something's happening or pay attention or something like that. I think it's, I think it's a safety thing. Yeah, I agree. If it's like a warning situation, like politely, like letting the other person know, like, hey, like pay attention or something. But like those drivers that hold their hand on the horn and just for no reason, it's like there's no need for that. Yeah, that's an emotional move. The only reason you would lay on the horn is emotion because somebody's already not moving or there's some issue going on and you've already like did a quick toot or a courtesy honk or whatever and there's still a situation happening, laying on your horn isn't going to make it better. Yeah, and like you said, there's like no other function within the car to communicate with other drivers, which I feel like with all the technology that there is in today's day and age, I feel like there should be some better method to communicate like, oh, there's a deer. Be careful. I don't know if you have that situation on the West Coast, but like <laughs> that's something I see all the time. And it's like you try to warn people there's deer. But like, how do you tell them that there's deer? Right. Even if you flash your lights, how do they how do they know that's what you're doing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The only thing that I've seen is certain apps. I don't know. If, I don't want to give anybody a, a plug that is not paying you or me. So <laughs> there's certain <laughs> driving and uh, map apps that you can like if you see a hazard in the road, you can put it in there. And then other people that use that same app can also see, oh, there's a hazard in the road. Um, or, oh, there is police hiding in the bushes over there. So there's that. But again, it's not like it's one of those things that you have to take the time to put that in there. And then others that are approaching can see that if they're using that. But the vehicles themselves that are immediately around you, like you said, can't communicate. I think Elon is working on that. Elon is working on that, right? So once we get to the point of all these cars on the road being either electric cars or something that where it has mostly a computer function, the thing is, like my car right now, it'll drive itself. I can get on the freeway and I can just, you know, put it in automatic mode. It'll drive itself and I'm good. But obviously other cars around me, they don't have that same function. But once other cars also have the automatic kind of driving situation, there's going to be some sort of a smart technology because it's already sensor based, but there's going to be communication based where like we can communicate through some sort of a app or a computer program where our computers are connected and we can talk and we can do this, we can do that. It's going to be the same thing for cars. They're going to, they're going to be able to communicate with each other. Like, oh, there's, we are two feet from each other. Let's not get any closer. <laughs> we don't want to kiss, <laughs> right? Or, or, hey, there's a hazard in the head, a road in, in the road ahead in my lane, right? Maybe it's a tire, maybe it's a deer, whatever. It's in my lane. The other car is saying to, the, to my car, hey, there's nothing in my lane. 
So my car automatically slows down, merges over into their lane and to the right, goes around the hazard and then comes back. That's going to be a thing. But we, our, our cars aren't all to that level as far as computers yet. But once they get there, it'll absolutely happen. And I can't wait. You seem super excited about that. So would you be happy? Like, would you trust your car to just drive itself for you and just like park and do all those things? Uh, yes, it, it was it was a little nerve wracking at first when I did it for my car now. And it's, it's not 100% automated in what it does, but it's like anything you do that's brand new, you get a little nervous, right? I remember my parents' generation and their parents' generation, the last thing they want to do is buy anything on the internet. They're like, I don't want to, I don't want to put my credit card information there. Somebody might steal it. But now everybody does it. We're all, we're all like doing it here. We're doing it there. It's not a big deal, right? Privacy was a big issue for older generations. The younger generations are like, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Oh, you want to you want to have access to what? Okay, approved. Like we just do it. Yeah. No issue. And so that's one of those things that as when we're as we're merging into the technology where we have we can have the fear. And I think right now the fear is justified because um, the technology isn't 100%. So I've had situations driving in my car, not on the freeway, more on the street, where it's like it's telling me to take over as a driver because there's something it doesn't read or there's something happening. And so you really have to pay attention. But taking your hands off the steering wheel is a little nerve wracking when you're used to just doing all the driving. But I love one of the things that the founder of Google said where he was like, my daughter will never have a driver's license because her car will drive itself. So I love that mindset, the innovative, just forward thinking mindset. But I also like the, the ability to do for, do for myself. So I would love to get to the point at some point where I, where I can hunt at maybe an animal and I can, you know, learn to use the resources of that animal to feed my body myself with fish or whatever it is versus, okay, I'm going to a restaurant or I'm going to the grocery store just to know that I can do it or just to know that I haven't lost that ability. So I kind of look at it all the same way. Yeah, it sounds like something of like a futuristic movie or something, but it's probably not that far in the future. Like you said, it's probably very soon that we'll be like everyone will have self-driving cars and people won't even need licenses anymore. Exactly. Going back to honking and speaking of annoying drivers, what would you say is your biggest driving pet peeve? Biggest driving pet peeve? Well, I'd say if well, when someone is driving, it, my biggest drive pet peeve is when someone is in the carpool lane and they're driving slow and there's not, a, there's not much traffic on the freeway. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. I'm like, why do you even need to be in the carpool lane? There's no traffic on the freeway and you're driving slow. It's like, I can drive in the fast lane of the freeway and drive faster than where you're going now. It's like, so that's that, I don't know, maybe it's my own little quirk, but that's my only thing where it's like, this is a designated lane. But you, you get in this lane so that way you can go faster than the rest of the traffic when you have more passengers. But you're not going faster than the rest of the traffic. <laughs> so why are you here? <laughs> so that's, that's got to be one of my biggest peeves. So you like speed. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> I do. I like to get where I want to go. Yeah, I definitely like to get where I want to go. That's one of the only reasons I, would con- I, I, I considered at one point learning to fly. Learning to fly a plane because... I like the idea of being able to go to the, you know, Burbank airport or one of the smaller municipal airports and jump on a plane and take a quick trip and I can make it to Vegas in an hour and a half instead of four hours on the road. Yeah, at 1000%. I would love to be able to do that. Well, we might get driverless planes in the future too, so you might be able to do that. Now that I wouldn't trust. Well, well, not, no, not driverless planes. I take that back. I would trust driverless planes because we just autopilot on planes now anyway. Uh, I was thinking more of flying cars. Now that I wouldn't trust. Yeah. I hope they never come out with that. You never know. They might. Yeah, there's too many people that already get into accidents and can't function in a 2D environment where all you can do is go forward, backwards, left, and right. (laughs) Imagine adding (laughs) up and down to that. Oh, no. That would be a mess. (laughs) Exactly. So now that we know what type of driver you are, let's go back to how it all started. How would you describe your very first driving experience and who was it with? So my mom um, is very... I want to say very strict, but just has certain rules. We'll always set those rules. And so I remember being in high school, and my mom had a rule that if, depending on what our grades were, would be at like around 16, if our grades were good, then we could get our license. And I remember my grades weren't as good as they should have been. And so I had to wait till I was 18. So the whole time I'm being taught how to drive. So I remember being in 
out here in California, being on the East Coast. I remember being even with this family down south and we'd be in these swamp roads and you'd be like, okay, come on and drive. So I learned how to drive and I know how to drive, but I didn't get the privilege to drive until I was 18. I remember when I got my uh, license or when I went to get the license, I passed the test with flying colors. I even passed my motorcycle test with flying colors. I got the highest grade in the entire class. But I remember when I went to get the actual driver's license and I took the, 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 um, the test or the driving test with the person in the, in the car, as soon as we pulled out of the uh, driveway, right? Making sure traffic's clear at the DMV, traffic's clear, I'm making a right turn. All of a sudden this car is flying down the street. So I, I, you know, I still make my turn, but they come out of nowhere and they're just going super fast. So they end up getting into a different lane, but then they honk their horn. And now it's making me look bad. I'm turning in front of traffic and they're honking their horn. And so as soon as I, we get out into the street, the lady, she goes, okay, now make a right turn here at the next right. Okay, and I do that. She's like, okay, and I make a right turn here at the next right. Okay, I do that. And then make a right turn here into the driveway. And we went right back into the DMV. She was like, oh, you failed a test. Oh my God. I was like, ah, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Really? <sighs> but the cool thing was, because I was 18, I was able to literally take it the next day and I passed with flying colors because I got a different driver person. But it was, it, yeah, that was, that was my first experience getting my real license and just dealing with people is always interesting. That has been so frustrating. Like that was totally not your fault. That person was obviously speeding and driving recklessly and he cost you your license. Right. Yeah. Th those are those things where, so I look at driving a lot, like it, it just correlates with so many other areas in life. And I remember I, I, people tell me all the time stories about, let's say if they have road rage or if something's happening because somebody cut them off. Right. I mean, I've had it happen where if I, I'll be driving and maybe I'll cut somebody off and they think I got too close to their car. And now all of a sudden they're following me really close. So they're revving their engine or they're mad. And I've always looked at it. I heard, well, I shouldn't say always. I had someone say it one time where they said, it might've been in a book I read, but they said, imagine you're driving down the freeway and someone cuts you off and you're this person because they almost hit you. You've got your family in the car. You could have been accident. Somebody could have been hurt. So now you're upset. This person's flying down the, down, down the road. Now, imagine you get to where you need to go and you see that person and you want to say something to them. It's dangerous. It's reckless. It's something that could have hurt other people. But then you look in their eyes and you see tears in their eyes. Then all of a sudden you kind of pull back a little bit like what's going on with them? And they look frantic and they're getting something out of the trunk and they're about to go into the building and they're like, and then now all of a sudden when you walk up to them, instead of confronting them in an angry way, you're just like, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? And they say, you know, my, my kid has gotten into an accident. And I'm trying to get this handled so I can go see them in the hospital. And I just, I just don't know how to deal with this. I'm trying to, to figure some things out. And so it's just frustrating right now. Now, you would have a different level of empathy for that person because you know their situation. And you also know their intention wasn't to hurt you. They have all this craziness going on in their life. Someone that they really love and care about is, is injured. And because of that, because I never know what's going on in someone else's life or in their head or in their mind or whatever else is happening, I, I, I don't get angry at other drivers anymore or upset at them. Or that's also why I don't lean on the horn. I don't, I don't know what their situation is. Sometimes they could just be a jerk. I mean, it's, it exists, right? It's a thing. But then there's some times where it's way more, it's just deeper than what we know. And oftentimes we're so much better at giving space for ourselves to be angry or to cut someone off or to whatever, because we know our intentions, we know our own hearts. We also know what we're doing, but we're not in the heads of other people. So we're less empathetic sometimes with others. And I think that that allowed me to like, even a situation like that, where the guy is driving, act, driving reckless and I cost me my license for a day. And it's like, well, you know, it is what it is. Even getting upset doesn't, I might be a little upset, a little irritated. But at this point, there's nothing I can do about it. Getting upset isn't going to hurt anybody but me. It's like stress, right? Stress is one of the biggest things that lead, leads to like depression and, and illness and other things. And it's all mental. So I like to, to connect that with, with driving and so many other areas in life where people treat us certain ways and we want to take it personally. But oftentimes I've found that people treat me in a way based on how they're feeling. And it usually has nothing to do with me. It's something going on in their life. Yeah, that's a really great way to look at it. Driving can be a great metaphor for a lot of things in life. Yes, 1000%.
So going back to the actual driver's test, when you got your motorcycle license, do you have to take like an additional on the road test or is it because you already have your car license, you would just take the written portion? So you you have an option to take a, so you have an option, well, at least out here in California, you have an option to take the written and then you can learn on your own and then you just take the driving course out of DMV. Right. It's just like they, they have cones set up and you drive a certain way. They want to make sure you know what you're doing. But what I did, because I didn't know I'd never ridden a motorcycle before and I didn't even know what I was doing. I just knew I wanted to drive a motorcycle. So I went in and took the, uh, the actual course. There's a course that you can take that is sponsored by, I don't know, some motorcycle manufacturer. And it's like a multi-day course where they even have motorcycles there you can ride. And they teach you everything from the basics to everything. And once you pass that course, you now are able to take that written proof to DMV and they give you your license. So that's what I did because I just wanted to make sure I knew all the nuances. I want to I learn the right way versus, you know, learning from a friend. And then it's like I get pulled over or something happens. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I <laughs> right. The, the I didn't know excuse has never worked for me on, on a ticket. <laughs> So when you were taking your actual car license test, were you required to parallel park? I don't think I was. That's an interesting question. I don't remember, but I don't think I was. I, I know I know I practiced it a lot. I've seen people now take their test and they don't I they don't do parallel parking anymore. So I don't even remember if I did or not. Well then let's put it this way. Do you think that it should be required on the test? Oh yeah. I think it should. I don't think it should be like a make or break kind of thing. I don't think the point should be super high, but I think it should be on there just because there's so many people that don't know how to do it or they're really bad at it. Or it takes like 25 different times for them to go park, reverse, park, reverse to figure it out. So I think it's good to do because we as drivers, we all do it at some point, but I don't think it should make or break the test. It's just surprising to hear. We've asked all our guests this question. So many people have said that they didn't have to do parallel parking on the test. And I'm like, we had to do it. Like, are we the only ones? Yeah, I don't know. Must be must be uh, Maryland. Maybe they're just super strict out there. <laughs> Not anymore. They removed it now. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. Bonus question time. Are you ready? Bonus question. Yes. Okay. So let me prep myself a little woosah. <laughs> you know, rub the earlobes real quick. Okay, go for it. If you could make one new driving law, what would it be? Wow. One new driving law. Uh, okay. So I would say, uh, okay. All right. So I would say that if you have a, a vehicle that has like an automatic autopilot kind of situation mode on it, that it can drive itself, not just cruise control. But something that that you know forward, backwards, all that stuff, right? Then there would be a, a like a, a separate lane for those people, and the speed limit is 100 miles an hour. What makes you choose 100? Well, because when it's controlled by a computer, like literally, you could have drivers that are one foot, that are maybe six inches from each other. All the cars six inches from each other, driving 100 miles an hour, and because the computers are controlling it, there are no mistakes. No accidents whatsoever, and there's no issues. So I would say faster, but, you know, 100 is a round number. I like it. <laughs> so that's what I would do. I guess it would also depend which state you're in because, you know, on the west you have the more open roads, but then if you do 100 here on the east, I don't know how well that would work. Right. So it would definitely have to depend on curves and the freeways and things like that. But even if there's other situations where there's no curves or, or let's say, let's say, they found you can drive safely at, I don't know, 50 miles an hour in Maryland, but the speed limit is 45. Or they say you can drive safely, you can even drive safely at, let's say, 70 or 80, but they don't trust drivers. And when people get into accidents at higher speeds, there's more injuries involved. So it's usually more about the injuries at a higher speed versus um, it not being safe to drive at a certain speed. So if you take away the, the driver interaction with the car, then you might be able to take a turn at 70 miles an hour or even at 60 miles an hour where the speed limit is less. So I look at even on the East Coast, you can, you can raise the speed limit at least 20 miles an hour more on most places 
than when you have no human interaction involved. So I would work towards that. Well, maybe that law will come into effect when we have those cars in the future. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Because the, the carpool thing is awesome, but it doesn't work that well. I mean, even the carpool lane would be super packed sometimes. People driving in and out of the lane. It is what it is. But yeah, if we can if we can create a way where people have the ability to... And that would also encourage more people to buy those cars. Because now you get a different an extra perk or privilege that you wouldn't necessarily have. So which would also, you know, lower emissions and get more people onto the whole going green kind of thing because now they get this extra perk. So I don't know. I think it has some benefit to it, but that's what I would do. But I also like to drive fast. So it's <laughs> so a win-win. Exactly. Do you have any final thoughts or any tips that you would like to give other drivers? So I have a client that's a therapist and we took, uh, in working with this therapist, took her from working from, from, for someone else in, in a government job in a, in a facility to having her own private practice. And then from that, having 100% private pay within her clients that she sees. At a young age, it's rare that that happens. And I connect that to this because her, 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 her thought process around it, of getting it, of doing it, of making it happen sooner than she thought it possible, wasn't in existence. It, did, it wasn't there. And it took someone else to see something in her that she didn't necessarily see in herself or that she didn't know how to create, right? She might've seen it and had the confidence, but not known how. And even when it comes to driving, I think it's important that just like in business, just like in life, just like in other areas where there's relationships and it's like somebody's been together for a really long time and these people, and I wanna have a relationship where I'm together with someone for a long time, I can learn something from someone else as opposed to making it about ego. And when it comes to driving in the same thing where there's so many lives in your hands, your own life, other people's lives, how you interact, how you move through life and things like that. And if we all take a, take a little step back and even connect with other people that are, that are just amazing drivers, we can learn. Some, like I think everybody should take a racing course. They should go to a racetrack and take a racing course. I think everybody should take a, like a stunt driving course where they learn how to like drift the car on a corner or they learn how to, how to, you know, if, if they're driving a race car and the car spins and is headed towards the wall, how do you get it from, from not hitting the wall? All these things. And you learn that not by taking your own car out in the street and just, Hey, let me turn it towards a tree and see if I can figure this out. <laughs> no, that's not going to work. Of course, it's going to be a really expensive lesson. But if you go to a professional or you go to a mentor, you go to someone that's got the experience, someone that knows how to do it, just like the example of the business with this therapist, those experiences can save your life and other people's lives in ways that you might not even know. And it can also make driving in itself more enjoyable because now you're less stressed because you know what, you know what to do. You know how to do things in a different way. And I think those are the things that would set people apart and make driving just more enjoyable, more fun, less stressful, and it, it would just save a lot of lives. So I'm, I'm there. I think everybody should take a, a, a racing course and a stunt driving course. Everybody. That'd be very interesting. But then at the same time, you would be able to control when you're in situations where you're like, I don't know what to do. And you have that practice now and you can handle it. Exactly. And people will say, oh, you know, well, people start taking driving courses, then they might start driving recklessly on the street or doing donuts in the middle of the street. It's like, there are people that do that anyway. <laughs> they, yeah. They've never taken a course, right? And so this is, that's like saying, oh, we should never teach somebody karate because they're going to use it and start beating up on people. No, it's actually proven that if someone knows how to handle themselves, it's not that they're going to go beating up on people. They're actually going to be less bullied because a bully doesn't want to bully someone that knows how to fight. And you know, it's the same thing. It does, it's like, we're not going to use something that we have as knowledge in a reckless way just because we have it as knowledge. There's ways that it could be used in a good way and in a positive way, more so than a negative way. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. We really enjoy listening to all your stories. Where can everyone find you? Well, if you want to find me, they can find me on my website, Paul2Success. That's H-A-L-L-T-O, success.com, Hall2Success. And so you can also find me on LinkedIn, Elisha J. Hall. That's Eli and then Sha, Elisha. Well, thank you so much for coming on. You had some really crazy stories and I guess we're going to all go sign up for a race course. <laughs> you should, you should. 
And you'd be surprised. You can find some good ones on like Groupon and some other things. There's some good ones out there. <laughs> You've already looked. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me on. And thank you for allowing my, me to be like open and transparent with these stories. I definitely got a lot of them. His, how did he say it? He likes to create moments or intentionally create moments, like memorable moments. And when they were in San Diego and him and his co-workers were like, we're not going to just take a ride in a bike chariot. We're going to race in these bike chariots. And the, and the I was going to call them the bikers. The bike, and the bike charioteers. <laughs> the bike charioteers. The bike drivers. I don't know. It the sounds bikers, fancy. They, oh, the bikers. Wow, now they sound like a gang. Well, the he gang of a motorcycle, bikers. so, you know, motorcycle bikers. But they were like, yeah, we're on board. And... They, like, raced around San Diego. Yeah. Speaking of adrenaline junkie, his his rule, his law that he would create that if you could, if your car can self-drive, you get to go in a separate lane and go, like, 100. He likes speed, so yeah. I could, I kind of had a feeling that that was going to be his law, that he was something with speed. And the fact that he was, like, everyone should have to take a race driving course and a stunt driving course, which... Makes that sense. would be helpful. Like it makes just, sense. Like you're in a controlled environment and you're learning how to manage your car and control it if something were to happen and so. handle like really dangerous situations. So I mean, I could see that 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 would be useful. But I w- I don't know how comfortable comfortable I would be having a self driving car going a hundred. And he was like only inches from the car in front of you. Yeah, like six inches or something. And I was like. Okay, well, if you're going to have that lane, I feel like we should still have a little bit more gap in between. Yeah, because what if your car or that car doesn't sense that the other car was stopping or something malfunctioned and then what? (laughs) Then everyone's going to crash into each other. You're going 100. Exactly. I wonder if when they do create... Not kilometers, miles per hour. I wonder when they do create these automatic cars that drive by themselves. Like when we get to that point, would the safety features in it, like if you were to go on a crash, would it like form a bubble or something like to, lessen, <laughs> to dampen the impact or something? You know, like... Would it like, be fast enough with this bubble? Like I don't like, know, or like inflatable stuff or something would come out yeah. to like lessen the... So like an airbag on the outside. Pretty much, and then you wouldn't get hurt as much because it would but be like a bubble bump. Would the bubble be able to inflate itself fast enough if you're going 100 miles per hour? I mean, how the airbags inflate, so it's probably something similar mechanism That's to true. inflate. But the problem the is outside. like it inflates once you hit something. So how would the car know to inflate the outside bubble? Maybe when it's like, oh no, my, I, I can't, I can't do this. Like, like you know, like you might in, have a lot of false alarms in movies. You know how like the robots and stuff are like, I, I'm like malfunctioning. You know, like maybe the car is. <laughs> I, I'm malfunctioning, and your car's like, uh, I'm malfunctioning. Bubble. <laughs> yeah, it like activates the emergency bubble. <laughs> Wow, you just took it and ran with it. <laughs> I drove, drove with, with it. it. I was gonna say <laughs> that. Uh-huh, beat you to it. Eh. <laughs> Which one of his stories did you find the most? And not. I was like, how did you find enter- the most? Uh, I was gonna say entertaining, but I don't know if the most guess- like su- surprising or like thing that really stuck with me was where he's driving, and I I don't remember if it was like raining a little, and then randomly they just do one spin on the freeway, and then just keep going like nothing happened. Oh yeah, yeah. That was, <laughs> like, I was like, is this a movie or something? Like you know, the slow pan where like randomly they're like, all right, slow mo time, and you just see everything around you, and then you're just like, all right, back to normal. This is clearly stuff that people are gonna hear and put in movies. Like it's gonna happen. Like this yeah. is where ideas are gonna come, and they'll be like, oh. And you know how when you watch in physics class and you watch, you're like, what's wrong? Like physics would never make this happen. Like you had to point it out. It's like, but no, this happens. <laughs> First off, I don't know what you're talking about in physics class. Like, no, that can't happen. This, this no, you don't have to do that in physics. Watch we had, videos? We had to watch a movie. Like, we had to pick a movie and watch it through and, like... Oh, like a Hollywood, but, like, pick a movie. Yeah, and then describe which oh. scenes were not physically capable. Based that on, sounds like, like a fun assignment. Yeah. I may have done that. I don't remember. So I asked, of course, if I could do a Bollywood film because I'm like, I never watched... I barely watch Hollywood and films. And take any superhero Bollywood film. Or and like basically, any. Bollywood films are filled with 
Yeah. Unrealistic. You could write a movie or a book about the issues in the movie. Pretty much. I think I picked an older movie, which was more problematic because (laughs) they were really... But more funny. Yeah. But that's way off topic. Yeah. So we hope you enjoyed listening to his stories as much as we enjoyed hearing them. And if you or anyone you know has any crazy or interesting driving stories and would like to come on as a guest, fill out the interest form on our website at drivewithuspodcast.com. And stay tuned until the end for a sneak peek of next week's episode where we're joined by Tamika Thomas and she shares with us a scary moment she had in her car when her car's computer malfunctioned. Thanks for driving with us. Love this episode of Drive With Us? Leave us a review on iTunes or Podchaser and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Drive With Us Podcast. And now a sneak peek. One day, me and my kids, we were driving home and all of a sudden the car malfunctioned, like the computer in the car. And so every time I pressed the brake, the car accelerated.